0: with John Smith. Chapter 35, Year 5, 2015-2016. to 2016. Gorgeous Guilin. We are on the top floor of a boat on the Lee River, sailing towards Yangshuo through the most picturesque and originally shaped mountains we have ever seen. In fact, they are the mountains you see on the Chinese 20 yuan note. This area is also the backdrop of the movie The Painted Veil and meant to be one of the most beautiful spots in China. We got on the boat early this morning and have meandered down this gorgeous river dwarfed by these incredible karst peaks. For the last four or five hours. We arrive in the lovely town of Yangshua, walk around the town and make our way to the countryside to do some bamboo rafting on the smaller Yulong River. It is late and we are two of maybe eight people on an old, uncomfortable bus, making our way through some terrible construction and traffic on our way back to Guilin. This ride is meant to be an hour, as it's only 70 kilometers, but we've been on the road for a couple of hours. Earlier, I made the mistake of clicking the wrong thing on my phone and didn't notice that all my music has gone to the iCloud. Because of this, I only have one song I can listen to on this ride, as I have no Wi-Fi to download any songs. It's a little frustrating. We are staying in the Waterfall Hotel in the center of Guilin, near many of the attractions that are famous here. We thought we might have a view of a waterfall, but it actually has one coming from the top of the hotel down the side our room is on. It only runs for about 10 minutes every night at 9 p.m. for the tourists standing in the large square below. There are colored lights and music that accompany the gush of water that runs past our window as the entire side of the 15-story building is covered in a man-made waterfall. It is certainly a strange idea and an engineering feat. There is a pedestrian street right beside the hotel where we have found many different restaurants and the streets come alive at night with night markets and people watching. There is a mountain nearby that has a large round hole in the side of it and it sort of looks like an elephant from the side. We saw the pictures and heard it was close and somewhere to the right so we start walking asking people for directions. We walk for about four hours and eventually pay a guy to take us there in a bamboo boat. The guy makes John do most of the paddling while he puffs on a cigarette and encourages him to row faster. We finally get there and find out it is only five minutes from the hotel. We walk the other direction, away from the hotel, and find a cave under a mountain called Fubu Hill. It is called Thousand Buddha Cave, and there are about 200 Buddhas carved into the walls. We climb the stairs that are carved into the outside of the mountain until we reach the top, where we have an extraordinary 360-degree view of the city. We buy some collapsible canes to assist us on the steep stone steps and are grateful for it as we are sweating and puffing by the time we get to the top alongside some elderly Korean tourists who light cigarettes upon reaching the summit. There are signs at the top saying things like, No striding and No jumping. We are in a small village on the way to the rice fields to the northeast of Guilin. The village is made up of connecting wood houses and is on the river bank. There are hanging bridges over the rushing water connecting the village to the main road. We are on a tour and there is only one other foreigner on the bus with us, so most of the stories information is given in Chinese. Luckily, there is a lovely woman with her 10-year-old son named Nemo beside us, who both speak very good English, and they are translating the stories the guide is telling. The women in this village have never washed their hair with soap. They also never cut it. Each woman's hair is on average two meters long. They wash it with the water the rice has been washed in and believe it keeps their hair from going gray or white. Unless they are washing it, they tie their hair up on the top of their heads like a turban made from hair. They all wear traditional dress and silver jewelry. The guide told us that if a woman from this village likes a guy and wants to marry him, she will pinch his bottom. We are told we should walk through a house that is meant to be the oldest in the village, so we can see how these people live. We assume it is like a model house, and but as we walk through it, it feels like someone actually lives here. John and I sit on the ratty couch and pose for a picture. There's a pot on the stove and Nemo lifts the lid to pose for another picture and we see vegetables inside the pot with steam rising up. It is still hot. We hear someone laughing and turn to see a tiny elderly woman who is obviously from the village and we realize it is her house. We all look embarrassed but she doesn't seem bothered. She wants to sell us a small woven purse, so I buy it to make up for being so intrusive. We pose with her for more pictures, and after we leave, John tells me she pinched his bum. Cheeky! She was about 80 years old, so I'm not too worried. The ride up the mountain towards the rice terraces is incredibly scary. The road is small and there is a sheer drop on one side and the mountain on the other. The driver is traveling at a very fast speed, averaging a corner every minute or so, and he's honking his horn to wave oncoming traffic without ever slowing down. Every minute we feel the wheels lift from the road as we round the corner and I am praying and thinking loving thoughts about all the people I love in the world in case this is it. The Longji rice terraces are spectacular. We walk up into the Pingnan Zhuang village and the path that winds through it. We stop and look at the panorama of several levels of terraces, like looking at a pile of toast arranged like steps. Every time we think it can't get better than this, the next bend shows a more beautiful view than the last. The village is nestled in a high valley up on the side of the mountain, surrounded by the terraces. There are quirky hotels, cafes and many shops on the path, as well as stopping points where traditional clothing is rented out for photo ops, and even though there are many tourists along the route, it still feels like a mountainside village, with villagers selling their wares, donkeys with loads on their backs, and many fires cooking the traditional dish of bamboo rice. We try to imagine what it would be like to wake up to this gorgeous view every day. Would you forget to look at it after a while? You would certainly be fit with all the climbing. We stop at a restaurant that is owned by a farmer and try the local specialty. The sticky rice is mixed with some vegetables and pushed into the hollow bamboo stalk then shoved into the hot coals or wood, burning in a barbecue. When it is cooked, the bamboo stalk is plunged into a bucket of cold water, then cracked open with a machete. The rice takes on the shape of the inside of the bamboo and also absorbs some of the taste. It is delicious. We also try some chicken cooked in the same way. It is one of my favorite meals on this trip. We meet some Canadian teachers on this trip. They are teaching in a Canadian school in Hefei, the place John's plane had to make an emergency landing a couple years ago when his plane got caught in a storm. We run into them often after that because Guilin's center is not that big, and we frequent the same places. There seem to be more teachers with jobs here in China than there are in Canada. We are back in Wuhan after a wonderful trip. We rode on three bamboo boats, climbed many mountains, saw the inside of many caves, discovered rivers, lakes, pagodas, and banyan trees. We read books watched CNN and BBC news programs and a few movies. We don't get to do that unless we're in a hotel. Time to go back to work. I didn't know what to expect this year. So far, it's been okay. I've been working with Amy, who is a real librarian. In September, We were very busy trying to work out the the library computer program and handing out books to various classes. Amy worked some of it out, and we had to send emails to the former librarian and others, but we got most of it going. I am now very well trained in book shelving, checking out and returning books and fixing records that are wrong or non-existent. I don't really know much more about the whole system. Since I have a strong creative streak, I get to design bulletin boards and themes and organize volunteers to do painting and coloring and cutting and do quite a lot of it myself. When Amy has an idea, she tells me what she wants and I make it happen, or she asks me what I think we should do or this or that, and I give ideas and we figure it out. We are a pretty good team. I am also a bit of a glorified cleaner as the place was a little dirty and continues to need maintenance as the kids eat lunch there. Since the library is open at lunch, Amy and I share the lunch hour and get about 40 minutes each. It's also quite busy from 3.40 when the kids get out of class until 5 o'clock, so there's no leaving early. On the plus side, I'm not anxious walking to work, wondering if I have enough in my lesson plan or having to take stuff home. I do not have to mark or enter marks or deal with something new we might have to do in class, and I'm grateful for this. I have been doing music with the kindergarten to grade threes at the foreign national school once a week, which is fun, and they are extremely cute. I will have to cover some classes as a TOC, but so far they've left us alone in that respect. Because of all the art I am either making or organizing in the library, I was asked to decorate the Learning Centre and have been asked to TOC an art class next Friday. For Halloween this year, John and I are footballers. I am Ronaldo and he is Messi. We bought quite a few masks in London last summer. They are basically life-size photos of the faces of famous people, so we only have to work out the outfit that goes with the face. I ordered a, a Ronaldo outfit from Taobao. We can find almost anything on Taobao, which is the online shopping place for China. It is cheap and usually comes in about three days. John already had a messy shirt, and we both have wigs to uh, complement or complete our costumes. Most students have no idea who I am. I've been speaking with a Portuguese accent all day as I stay in character with everything I do. It is a little exhausting, and after too much candy and being in character all day, we go to bed early. Tonight is the staff Halloween party, so we don new masks. I am Mr. Bean, and John is President Obama. I win Best Female Costume, which is funny since I am dressed as a man. And John and I get Best Group for our costumes from school. It is so much fun to be Mr. Bean. All I have to do is go sit beside someone and imitate his laugh, shaking my head a little, and I get howls of laughter. There is one teacher who kills herself laughing every time she looks at me, and she has a great laugh, so I record her laugh to use as a ringtone. There are many new teachers from Newfoundland this year. They are a fantastic bunch, very refreshingly down to earth. There are no egos or snobs among them. It is great to have traveled to Newfoundland last summer, too. It feels like we have a connection since we've been there. There are a couple of teachers from London called Petra and Manuel that we get along with, too, so we feel lucky to have so many cool people working here. There wasn't any room on campus for new teachers, so some have moved to a complex close to the school, and most of the rest live in Wangke. I've spoken about this before. It's another gated community. Apart from a couple of ESL teachers and a few teachers that have been here for a couple years, we are two of the few foreigners left living on campus. It is 8.30 a.m. on Saturday, and John tells me he needs to go to Guanggu and asks me if I want to come too. I wonder what he needs to do there as the skating rink where he used to go is now closed. But I'm happy to for an excuse to go there. In the cab on the way there, a thought comes into my head. Could we be going to the hotel there? I touch his backpack to see what's inside. Nothing extra. Maybe I'm wrong. He tells the driver to take us to the international side of the traffic circle where the hotel is, but also a couple of shops I like. We get out and walk when the traffic is too heavy, and as we pass the hotel, he says, do you need the washroom here? They do have clean, foreign-style washrooms there, so we often go there to avoid the dodgy ones in the mall. We enter the hotel, and I think, no, I guess I'm wrong. And he says, I just have to go up to the desk for a minute. I do enjoy John's surprises, and he's very good at keeping them secret. We're booked into the hotel with no luggage, no makeup, wash bag, or brush. He says if I need something, I can buy it. An excuse to go shopping. It gets better every minute. I get my hair cut, do some shopping, we eat some sushi and Vietnamese food, and go back to the hotel and lounge around. It is a wonderful day.